Hello, everybody, and welcome to Will's Women and Wealth. I'm your host, attorney Elsa W. Smith. And first of all, Happy New Year. We are in January of 2023. Um, it's a new year and a new you. Um, this podcast, just so you know, is where we are going to lead you holistically from overwhelmed to empowered through estate planning. Um, as I said, I am your host and just, I want you to feel comfortable and relaxed in this community that we are forming. This is a community for women who value their health, wealth, and the legacies that they are creating. Each episode is going to bring you interviews in the areas of finance, law, mental and physical health, uh, real estate, and more. I'm also going to share episodes, educational episodes that answer your questions uh, on wills and estate planning topics. This is a community, so I want you to engage. So let's start growing together. Do you have a question or a topic you'd like us to feature on Will's Women and Wealth? Will contact us on social media um, or leave a comment. If you're catching this live today or catching this on the replay, uh, we welcome you to leave, uh, leave a comment. Let us know if you like the show. This and all future episodes will be available in our libraries on YouTube and uh, Spotify. So with that, let's get started. How many times have you uh, seen commercials about, say, buying a new home um, or even buying your first home? And perhaps you've tried to DIY the process only to be disappointed in the end. And now you're discouraged about getting in the market again. My guest today is a thoughtful and experienced realtor who is going to teach us all about how real estate can be an important part of your wealth building strategy. I am pleased today to be joined by Shawanda T. Robinson. But before I bring her on, I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. Um, Shawanda T. Robinson is a knowledgeable and energetic realtor who stands out because of her strong passion and great dedication, ensuring that real estate buyers, sellers, renter and renters and investors have a seamless experience as they reach their estate goals, their real estate goals. As a realtor licensed in DC, Maryland, and Virginia, Shawanda leverages her extensive knowledge about the local real estate market and surrounding areas to guide, advise, and educate her clients, um, effectively empowering them to make well-informed decisions. Um, as a great negotiator with a, attention to detail, Shawanda goes above and beyond to help homeowners, home buyers, <laughs> accomplish their American dream of owning a home and guide them in building generational wealth something that we're very passionate about on this podcast. As a seller representative specialist, it's called an SRS, Shawanda is a valuable asset to sellers. Um, she goes all out to ensure that sellers gain value 
you know, for their homes and sell them at top dollar. She's also a military relocation professional, an MRP. Uh, in that capacity, Shawanda counts it as a, her greatest honor to serve military families, veterans, and active military personnel who put their lives on the line to protect their country. With extensive experience in the industry spanning over seven years, Shawanda understands that excellent service and delivery is the cornerstone of any successful real estate professional. Um, she's keen on forming strong, long-lasting relationships with her clients based on a shared vision of success and mutual trust. She has been featured in Voyage Baltimore and Canvas and Canvas Rebel. In uh, 2022, she was a panelist at the Women's Empowerment Brunch, still standing, the power play held in Bethesda, Maryland. And with that amazing introduction, she's a phenomenal person. Let me bring to you, to our audience, Shawanda Robinson. Shawanda, welcome to the show. Hello, hello, hello. Good afternoon, everyone, or wherever you are, good afternoon, <laughs> where we are. And thank you so much. I am, um, that was a, a phenomenal introduction. I am so excited to be here and so, so happy that social media connected us. I, yeah, I, me too. Um, it is, you know, Social media is something, not only social media, but just technology um, in general is something that really has transformed not only my in uh, industry, but I'm sure yours, yours as well, especially oh, yeah. over uh, the last couple of years. And we're going to, and we're going to get into that um, during the course of the interview. But before we, before we start, um, Tell us a, a bit about your, your personal and professional story and kind of describe your road to, you know, becoming a realtor. Okay, sure. So I am actually a second generation um, Washingtonian. My mom was um, also born in D.C. Uh, she was born in Georgetown, um, D.C. And um, we both actually went to the same high school, which is Roosevelt, graduated from the same high school, Roosevelt High School in um, Petworth. So I grew up in Petworth. Um, my dad still lives in Petworth. I um, am currently residing in Lanham, Maryland. And um, I really say has just been a, has, homes have always been a passion of mine. So I would always look at houses and I wanted to buy houses and then I was kind of scared. And then I finally actually brought one, my first house in um, 2005, actually. And in that experience, it was, um, I, uh, what was the best word for it? I had no idea what I was doing when I brought my first house. <laughs> so that um, actually translated into how I interact with my first time home buyers. So it's very important to me to, tell them things that I did not know or wish I had known right. and, or in that process, because it's, it's such a quick process to let them know that I always have their back, that I'm, whatever I'm doing, I'm working towards making sure that your experience is a good experience. And I don't want you to go through this process and be like, what just happened? and have no idea what happened. So <laughs> I'm worried. Um, I always ask my client, you know, tell my clients, please, if you have questions, come to me. I want to answer them so that I can make you feel comfortable throughout this process because it's a, you know, very quick process 
Um, and sometimes you can feel lost, but I always want to make sure that my clients don't feel the way that I felt when I purchased my first house. <laughs> um, so that um, so prior to real estate, I worked for uh, NASA, um, NASA headquarters in Washington, D.C., um, I was a program specialist there. Um, NASA was a very, so I look at everything. So we talk a lot of, you know, about mindset and things. So um, my mindset was different when I first was at NASA to where I was, to who I am, where I am now. Um, but now that that experience is over, I look at that as the stepping stone and it helped me become who I am today. Um, it was not for me. Um, you have to find your purpose, the things that make you happy in life. Mm -hmm. um, NASA did not make me happy, which is how I ended up actually becoming a roadster because I had to find out what worked for me. Mm -hmm. I knew that I was not happy and I knew that I was not living to my best potential. I knew that this could not be the life that was destined for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that could not have been the life that was destined for me. The life of me, you know, wanting to uh, wish the wish wish the weeks and the days and the you know everything away, and I was like, there's so much you know you're only you only like a couple of days out of the week. There's seven days and you like two, so that was like Friday night and Saturday. <laughs> so I said, I was like, you really have to find something else to do with your life, something else to feel fulfilled in life because we only get one to my knowledge and I um had to I, and it's it's you know it's your responsibility for your happiness it's your responsibility after a certain age you know you, you can't blame what happened in your childhood you can't blame anybody wow. you have to figure out something else and I had to figure out something else and so I had wanted to be a roaster for a while and put it all for who knows? Somebody may have talked me out of it. I may have talked myself out of it. You know, anything could have happened. Anything I just, if I, I want to jump, uh, forgive me, but, but the fact that you were, you were, you worked at NASA and in whatever capacity you worked at, a lot of people would be like, okay, well, I'm just going to like grind it out here. I'm really not happy, but it's NASA. So, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And you've got whatever benefits and so forth, you know, come along, you know, with that. And you, how, I just didn't want to like rush through that because okay. that thought <laughs> process, that emotional journey that you had, that you went through, I don't want to minimize that because there are a lot of women who are watching that are probably they're in corporate or they have a business of their own um, or they're working for someone or what have you. And they're not happy. Correct. They're not, they're not getting in touch with their why. Right. No. And that's not fulfilling you. No. So that's, I believe that that's got to take some sort of, you know, emotional and then physical toll. I mean, if you keep going to a place every day, like granted, I understand you know, there are bills to be paid, yeah. but at some point it's like your soul starts dying, dying. And it's like living, but not living at the same time. Oh my gosh. And so that's, I mean, so that's really what it was. I really had to dig 
super deep because I kept saying, this is not, this is, this can't be, you know, this can't be what you're supposed to be doing. And it, it took a, a, a long process of honestly, like going through, okay, what things can I do that can also, because as you said, you still have to survive, you know, we can't, you know, you can't live for free. <laughs> this is really not that, you know, some people can, but it's not that common, you know. Right. So I was like, well, how, you know, what, what is it that I can do? What are the things that I enjoy? And so I really pulled out a, pe a pad a pad and paper and started making a list of things that I enjoyed and how that could translate into a career, into a passion, into making money off of these things that make me happy in doing and um real estate so there were two things at the top of that list that was real estate and that was um like cooking and catering you know because I love to cook for my family and my uh -huh. friends and so it was so those were the two things at the top of the list and I was like well you know if you cook so I so I, so I really you know took a process of the pros and cons of both and which ones would be better for me and real estate was the one that I, cause it was something that I had talked about doing for a while and mm -hmm. hadn't done. I always loved looking at houses. I had taken interior design classes, you know, all of these things were the reason that real estate topped out cooking or being a caterer or, you know, opening a restaurant, whatever that, whatever that could have been. Well, that's, that's, that, that's uh, important and interesting that you, uh, you know, mentioned that because, and, and for the viewers, you not only had the desire, you had the proclivity to do, you know, to, like a couple things, but you took it a step further. You took a class in uh, in real estate, right? Because it's yes. not enough just to want to do something, but you need to have that that backing, that training, um, to just really solidify it in your mind whether this is something that you want to do. The last thing you want to do is invest, you know, to go all in. And then realize it's not something you want to do. So, so, did, so taking the class and stuff helped you kind of firm up your belief that this is what you wanted to do. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, okay, real estate, let's do real estate. And so I ended up finding, a um, cause you have to be a licensed realtor. You're not supposed to practice real estate without an actual license. <laughs> some people do. Oh my. Um, <laughs> um, you are to take a course and pass a course and then pass an exam in order to be a licensed real estate agent or a licensed realtor, which are two separate things. Um, however, so I took the class, I went to work and was still going to work at NASA and I took a class. Um, so I worked in Southwest DC. My class was on Wisconsin Avenue in um, Northwest DC. So I would leave work as soon as I left work, working 10, 10, nine hour days. And then I would go to classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays every night from like six to 10 or something like that for at least, I think it was at least five months. Maybe I did. that, And so then after that passed the course, and then eventually I um, started my real estate career at a brokerage called green line. And I um, started there and, but it was, it took me a minute to activate my license, but yeah, the classes and everything that was a grueling time because it was work and work was grueling and then it was class. So, but yeah, I had to find out. And then after I took the classes, I was like, okay, took a little bit of time. And then I said, well, let me go ahead and activate this license. And I started working um, in my first 
my first month, I actually started my first ever deal. Like I, I activated my license in October and probably a couple of weeks later, I started my first actual deal. Wow. So, wow. Yes. Which was real estate is definitely a hands-on. You could probably attest to that in your career. Like you can take all of the, you know, the knowledge of the books and everything, but until you're actually practically working in it, Absolutely. it's, um, it's hard to, you know, you have to get that experience, that hands-on experience. So it was actually good for me. Although it was like, what do I do? What do I do? And I, I leaned on my broker so much during that time frame because I literally just started. So I had really no idea other than what was taught in class. But it was a it was a great experience. And my buyer did not even know until the day after we closed, we we sat down and had dinner and I told him and he was like, really, this was your first deal. <laughs> and that was so, you know, that was empowering because it was like he had no idea. Now, Shawanda, wait a minute. It seems like everything has happened like this whirlwind, you know, like you, you, you pass, you get your license in October, then boom, you got your, you got your first uh, deal going. Again, I'm just because I know the people are watching me like, oh, you know, it's a fairy tale story. No, no, no. no. <laughs> you were you still were you still at NASA at the time or had you already transitioned when you got this deal? I just want to. Yes. So for clarity, I definitely was still at NASA when I got this first deal. I stayed at NASA. I got licensed um, officially in October 2015, um, started in D.C. and then um I stayed at NASA for almost a year later. I My last day at NASA was September 30th, 2016. Mm -hmm. So it took me a year um, of working real estate. Um, if I, and I will I say this to people all the time, if I had the type of, you know, people think sometimes when you have a government job that it's just like you're, you know, you're just twiddling your thumbs, you're relaxing. <laughs> um, I, I want to first say that 95% of the government does not operate on the mindset of, oh, good government. And you just, you know, relax and chill at work. <laughs> but government workers work. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and I definitely had the type of job where I, if I had that type of job, I probably would have, you know, still kept the job and still did real estate if I had the type of job where I could have accommodated doing both. But mm -hmm. I came to a time point when I was like, the, the demands of my job were too much for real estate <laughs> because wow. I've enjoyed doing real estate and I, and it, it became like my job was in the way. And so that was, that's what was the, the part, the, the thing that happened. It was like, okay, you have to make a decision because you're not going to be able to do both um, because of the demands of the job full throttle. And I wanted to, again, I was like, I really like it. I think, you know, and I'm in my mind, I was like, you can do this. I started getting deals. I started social media. Um, didn't really know what I was doing, but I knew I needed, I knew people needed to know I was a realtor. <laughs> so I started with posts. I started, um, you know, figuring out things to post and um, showing them, show, you know, showing my activities at open houses, going to show houses. Well, wait a minute now, because I'm going to stop you there because now I want, you know, for, for everybody following. So now you're, you're all in, you've made that you've made the transition, um, left NASA. So now you're an entrepreneur. You are, you yes. are doing this right. Correct. And with all, you know, you and I talked on show prep about the importance of mindset and, you know, having the right attitude. So you got that you're, you're pushing forward. 
Um, what were some of the mistakes that you made as an that you've made as an entrepreneur? Okay, so some of the mistakes that I would say that I made as an entrepreneur are definitely um, one, not knowing fully the the correct business entity to be mm. um, for mm. so for as far as tax purposes are concerned. Yeah. Um, so I started out um, just using my my social, my social security number at that. Then I ended up getting the EIN, but I stayed um, like a sole proprietor. Yeah, and then I eventually got an LLC. Then um, eventually found out from um, my, my CPA that I should have been a S corp instead. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of trial and error with understanding the business practices or the business entity that you should be. So I think that that's something that um, was definitely a learning lesson. Um, so that is um, definitely one of the biggest mistakes, um, not fully understanding that, you know, you are really an entrepreneur, you know, I was like, okay, I'm doing real estate, but this is really a true, true business. You are a business owner. So when I adopted that mindset of knowing I am an actual business owner, that also changed a lot of things as well. But definitely um, the entity was one of the biggest things. And just, um, I would, I would say that was, that's probably the biggest thing I would say. And, and, and something else that, you know, because from every hiccup, from every obstacle, there is something, you know, to learn. Those of us that are in a growth, have a growth mindset and understand that, you know, if once you stumble, you know, there's a, what are you taking away from it? What are you learning from it? So what I gathered from it was that, you know, you reached out to, a professional. You had yes. the assistance of a professional, which is a lesson and a takeaway. I think not only for you, for me, for everybody watching is that, you know, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know. Right. So it's in your best interest to surround yourselves with professionals. And I'm sure in, in, in your industry, um, certain, I, I know plenty of folks that are in, in real estate and they have networks of people that Absolutely. help them be their best. So is yes. that is that fair to say? Yes, that is a definite, definitely a fair assessment. I um I leaned on uh, my my um realtor friends. Who are you know who are you using? You know we talk and tr and you know sharing of information is a big thing. Um, you can't find out stuff and like hold it to yourself. You have to pass it along. So I definitely leaned on um all of my realtor friends found the great, you know, great, a great um, tax professional who could help me with all of my situations because I didn't do things the proper way and get me, you know, get me on the right track because it, it was a, it was definitely a learning lesson. However, I know now, <laughs> you know, I know now and I can say to other people because a lot of, a lot of um, realtors do, you know, create LLCs. However, um, I had to switch from the LLC for the reason, you know, for the reasons of this.
of um, tax purposes because you're still taxed as a sole proprietor um, when you are LLC is what I learned from, but I'm not a tax professional. So don't take that as tax advice. <laughs> I really, yeah, neither am I. <laughs> Please consult your, ta your tax professional. Correct. Um, one but of them may be, me, may be watching right now. <laughs> right. For me and my tax professional, we chose that to go a different right route of other than the LLC. Well, Sh uh, Shawanda, now you were on this journey before, you know, long before 2020. Yeah. How did the pandemic affect your business? And the follow-up to that is how did you pivot? Yeah. So when, you know, when the pandemic happened in March, 2020, mm -hmm. um, you know, I was in the middle of several different deals, working with several different buyers. And then we, in this area, because every, you know, as everybody was trying to figure it out. And one of the things that stopped, they had, there was a temporary ban on us showing houses. Mm. So if you can't show houses, you can't get people under contract, which means you don't have a paycheck coming soon <laughs> if wow. you can't do wow. that. So that was, um, I mean, so 2020 on top of um, just personally, professionally was really a lot of, um, pivoting as you said because at first we could not show houses so what do you do and then it was a you know that was temporary so I, but it was still drastic because <laughs> what do you do if you can't show houses um so then after that it was okay well how do you get clients and it became video so video became huge for um consultations because we couldn't meet you know my actual brokerage office was closed so we couldn't traditionally I would have met, I meet buyers at um, my office. We have a consultation in person. And so there was no longer that. So it was like, okay, what do you do now? You got to get a, um, you have to have a way to communicate with people. And so it became video. It became more social media. It became um, finding things to connect with people who were going through things, um, providing services. I did a few things in the pandemic, such as, um, because, you know, salons were shut down. So I, I did a, I know. <laughs> some, some of my um, salon, some people who, um, you know, do my, my esthetician, people who do eyebrows and people who do hair and nails. And we did a Zoom just dedicated because people couldn't get to the salon. So people, you know, people grew their eyebrows back out. Your nails were, you know, no nails. You had to start doing your own things. But people needed that service. So that was one of the services that I did provide during that time of just coming from we are all trying to get through this. And I know you want your nails done. I know you need your eyebrows done. How how can you, you know, tweak them a little bit on your own? And um, so business, um, so that was the pivot that I did is um, one reaching into, you know, how are you with, that was another thing. How, how just, how are you not necessarily, do you want to buy or sell a house? Do you want to have a, are you, you know, are you okay? How mm -hmm. are things going? How's the transition? You know, just checking on people became um, but that was always something that I did. But it was in that time, it was really like, are you good? You know, hey, just hi. <laughs> just hi. And, and and definitely business-wise, it pivoted to video. And then eventually we were able to get back to 
showing houses with masks and you had to carry gloves. So I had to, you know, buy gloves, buy sanitizer and the search for sanitizer became a thing. <laughs> I still actually have a big, like a half gallon of um, sanitizer left because that's how much I was buying it because that's how much we were using it and it was hard to get. So yeah. So that's what happened during the pandemic. And then, um, everything was going well. It was, you know, business started back going good. And then um, personal, you know, personal tragedy struck, which mm -hmm. my mom passed in July, 2020. Mm -hmm. So that was, a, of course, a different type of pivot. But, you know, in real estate as realtors, a lot of times you still have to work through certain things. Um, luckily, um, I had the support of um, my colleague, um, Adam and a few different people during this time frame who helped out because, of course, you're not in the right mindset. If if anybody's ever been through that, um, you know you're not you're not equipped to be the best for anyone during that time frame. So he helped me out a lot with um, working with my clients through that that personal time. Uh, that was uh, that's that's so important that you had. You know, a network is is great, but if you at least have one person that you can reach out, because you know, at the end of the day, we're professionals, but we're also human beings too, and mm -hmm. stuff happens. Stuff happens, and I'm gonna say just not Adam, but definitely all of my realtor friends were like, "What do you need? You know, how can we help you? How can we support you during this time? Because you know, it, when you work in a traditional job, there's usually somebody who can just there's usually a person that's actually just appointed, but you have to have those relationships with people who can help you during that time because you know sometimes there are personal things that you really just cannot you cannot be there, but people still need to people still need to get where they're going. Because what happened in my life, that doesn't mean that my client, you know, my client still needs to get through the process of buying their home, you know, of buying their home and getting to their next home or selling their home or whatever. So it's that's another thing that, to think about. And that's an, um, another thing that I would say in business, um, having leverage. Um, now I have a, um, a, a assistant. I also have a um, transaction coordinator. And then I also work with showing partners so that if things do happen, um, I'm not always showing houses. So if you need to see a house, I'm not always there's somebody else that can show it to you if I'm, if I'm not here, you know, or if I'm not, a, you know, if I can't be here for whatever reason. So that did teach me a little bit more about having that leverage as well. Shawanda, your um, you know, you you're licensed in, uh, you know, basically all over the, all over the DMV to to serve. But um, how would you describe, I guess, your your target market? Is it more like young families who are starting out, you know, buying that first home? Is it people who are um, looking to, you know, upgrade, looking for that next home, um, or is it, you know, uh, folks who are looking to retire and maybe downsize? Um, what, how is, how's your, uh, I guess your audience, if you will, how would you describe them? Yeah. So I would say what you said is actually a really good picture because I enjoy working with different people. Um, I love the, you know, the, 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 the move down buyers because that also is, is, is um, important to me because it reminds me of mom and dad and, you know, so being able to work with those people who are like, okay, I've been in this house for 
35 years. I raised all my kids here. And now is, you know, the house is just too big for me. And being able to relate to those people in that situation, because I've been, you know, been there, of course, and, and will be there again more than likely soon. Um, but that those those buyers are definitely important to me because um they need they need a little bit extra TLC sometimes because this process this process of buying and selling can be a very um, overwhelming process, especially if you don't have someone who's going to really explain or make you feel comfortable in the process or someone that you can trust. So it is really important to me to help those people, you know, the people who don't really know and the people because because people take advantage of our wonderful elders sometimes and they need a person that's going to look out for them instead of just you know not do the, not be look out for their best interests so i definitely work a lot with those um with people who are um, moving moving down and um also people who are moving up sometimes i have a lot of buyers now who they brought their first home when i you know i have buyers who brought in 2015 and 2016 mm -hmm. who now um maybe they've increased their family size mm -hmm. and um now they're like okay i'm ready to get a larger house we you know we we, we had another child we have two more kids the house worked then and it doesn't now so i work with those people as well and definitely with the um the new buyers um, through that process. So I work with, um, right now I still enjoy all, you know, enjoy all aspects of it. Yeah. Shawanda, how do you, you know, and those are all the, those scenarios, those phases of life that we just referred to, um, they're pretty significant, you know, whether you're sizing up or you're downsizing or right sizing as some people like to call it. Um, they're pretty, they're pretty significant in a person's life. Um, mm -hmm. How let's focus on the, I guess the upsizing, the, the, either the getting the initial piece of real estate or upsizing. Um, how do you, or what do you say to your clients or what conversations do you have in talking to them about how important this is in terms of building generational wealth? Um, what do you, what do you, what are the, some of the conversations you have with them around that? Yeah, so absolutely. I, um, so I, um, so recently, so recently I've been working with a, a, a young couple that they, they haven't had started having children yet. They're married, but this is, um, the perfect time for them. And they also understand that what they get now, I've, I'm focusing them on not just right now, but future. Right. So it's OK to not have the biggest house, your first house, get this house, stay in it a few years, then you can get the bigger house because more than likely you've accumulated equity in this first house. Buy it in a place that you'll be able to rent it out. Check the, you know, check to see if it's if it's rentable, which more than likely in this area, we have a, as many renters as buyers um, yeah. pretty much. So it's a, a I don't I, I know that. So where they're looking at is Baltimore and Baltimore is actually even more renter heavy than, say, D.C. Mm. or, um, you know, D.C. or Virginia. But the thing is, you have to start somewhere. And that's why the term starter house came. Um, we for some somehow got away from being able to like get the house and then say, okay, well, I'll get my next house. It's even though you have a 30 year mortgage, you're not 
dedicated to stay there 30 years. <laughs> you don't have to stay there 30 years. You can, you still have to pay them. You have 30 years to pay the mortgage, but you don't have to physically remain in the house for 30 years. And it's best to, you know, get a, get a house, a starter house. And then if you want to rent it out or if you sell it with whatever, whichever one works best, because some, some people it's best for them to rent it out, but that's, that's easier than coming up with an investor loan down the line. Cause if you purchase your house, you've lived in the house and then you decide, Oh, I want another house that house you can turn into an investment property property easier than coming up with what you would need for investor loans, say 10, you know, at least 10, 15%. When you purchase your first home, you usually probably put down three to 5%. So mm -hmm. that's a big difference in what, how much cash you need to get an investment. So look at your first house as really um, the investment, either if that's, if you want to buy it, hold it, or if you want to eventually sell it when you want your next house. That's smart. That's and smart. Then another thing, um, one thing I also, you know, for younger couples, a lot of times you can also, and I'm going to say for younger couples, for couples, anyone, honestly, um, you can take that house if you have things that you want to do, you know, meaning um, you have things that you want to do. You stay in a house for five to 10 years. You usually accrue equity. Home, um, home loans are usually the cheapest interest rate. So you can always still, whether that is you want to like send your send a child to school, if you want to start a business, if you want to buy a new car, it's still usually always better or or cheaper to purchase it through a mortgage because that's usually always the cheapest and the, the lowest that is interest rate opposed to a credit card. A house loan is, you know, right now we're in like sixes, you know, five and sixes. But if you get a car or a credit card, your credit card is 20 you know, 18, 20%. So when you look at it, okay, well, if I have this money in my house, I could probably do a home equity loan, a home equity line of credit, or I could refinance and pull out money. So it's it's the way of knowing all of the benefits that you can do with your home. So I try to stress that to my clients. That's wonderful. One of the things that I know that you are involved in, you know, that part of my law practice involves probate or state administration. Um, and m many times there is a piece of real estate, the decedent's home either needs to be sold or something needs, a decision needs to be made about the home, but a lot of times it's usually sold. Um, and we're reaching out um, to, to our network, you know, how do you, how do you get involved? You know, describe that to the audience. How do you become involved in that probate process of dealing with that, that piece of property? Yes. So, yes, yeah, so I have definitely, um, done several or worked with several, uh, um, probate or state sales. Um, most, most recently I did one in, um, Bowie, and when I, when the person, when I got involved, so I've, I've been involved in various step, stages. I've been involved where they didn't know that they needed to um, start a probate case. They mm -hmm. just knew that they wanted to sell the house. They knew that the house, you know, 
passed down to them because they were the closest heir. However, they thought that they were able to just, you know, we're the heirs and we can sell it. And so I've been <laughs> at that process too, where they didn't know. And I'm like, okay, no, these are the steps. I've connected, you know, people with attorneys if necessary, or also connected them with how to, you know, the local, whatever jurisdiction, this is, these are the steps that you need to take to go to the courthouse to start your, your probate case for your, for your loved one. So I've been in that process. I've been in the, I've stepped in sometimes when they have already gone through the probate process mm -hmm. and they just need to be able to sell the house. So most recently that was the, um, the case with one of my most, most recent probate cases. They've already done that process of, um, knowing that they have their letter of administration, which means that they can sell. Um, and, um, but they needed to still get things out of the house. So, you know, a lot of times when there are estate sales, people who have lived in the houses, sometimes 30, 40 years, you know, there's a lot of stuff that has been accumulated over that time. So in this particular situation, I um, partnered or uh, connected my client with a company that helps with um, personal estate sales. So per of personal items that were in the house, they come in and they inventory every single thing down to a pen in the house. And then they see what they can sell and they do an online estate sale and an in-person estate sale. And then whatever they can't sell, they um, will donate to charity or trash, which takes a huge burden off of people who are already grieving. That is so important. And I'm so glad that you mentioned them because they're, they're a company, they do this for a living. You mm -hmm. don't, I mean, I've seen situations where the personal representative feels so overwhelmed, like, oh, I've got to go through all these boxes. No, you don't. Yep. There, there are people, there are professionals that do this stuff. They will pack it up. You know, people are concerned. Oh, they're just going to trash everything in the house. No, they exercise care. You not only get the appraisals, the, the valuations for things, yeah. you know, um, you know, expensive jewelry, what have you, artifacts, all those things. There are people that come in to assist you and you don't have to go through this by yourself. Again, yeah. going back to that theme of having a team. Having a team around you. Yes. And this process, and that, I mean, so I just want to speak to also that the importance of what you do in having people plan this process instead of them having to go through a probate. Um, because it is a time when people are the most vulnerable. You are grieving, you know, your mom, your brother, your whomever, your loved one. And so that process, just the grief process is enough. And then attempting to having to go, you know, having to go to the courthouse, having to figure out this, thinking, well, what would my loved one may have wanted me to do with the house? Do they want me to keep it? Should I sell it? You know, so it's a lot of emotions and a lot, you know, it's, it's a lot. So having somebody that can help you through the process and it's better. And, I, and I, so one of my, um, I was talking with my broker last night. And so one of my favorite terms this year is get somebody else to do it, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, like get somebody else to do it. So even if it, if it costs you the state to do it, it's better than you mentally going through all of these things trying to, you know, trying to do your own estate sale, trying to see what's, what's going on, packing up the house, finding people to do this, finding people to do that. You, this company, you, they tell you, they, they, they 
take a certain percentage off of what's sold. They tell you the prices for this. They tell you the prices for that. Pay it and keep your peace of mind because it's you're already going through enough. You're you're still grieving most of the time when you're doing this process. And you're you, sometimes you don't make the best decisions when you're grieving um, because that's the process of, you know, the process of grief doesn't allow you to. <laughs> that, that's so important, Shawana. I mean, and again, you know, this is, you know, people don't have to start from scratch with this. That you, yeah. because of, of the, the relationship, the professional relationships that you have developed and continue to develop over time, you have these resources, right? And I imagine this is, you know, one of the many services that, that you offer. You can then turn to that person and say, I've got a, you know, a list, I've got a network of people. What is it that you need? I think you need X so that that person who is, as you said, you know, grieving doesn't have to Google or go online to try, mm -hmm. you know, because you don't know where to start because that's you not what they it. do. People don't, you know, go through probate, you oh, know, every, every no. year, right? No, so. this is definitely usually a new experience for mostly, every, you know, this is the first time for most of my clients that have gone through this process. This is the first time that mm -hmm. they have had to do, to do this. So you're, it's a new experience. One, home buying or home selling is usually already a new experience, but then you tack on having to go through court, having to deal with other, you know, it's not just you selling, you're selling on behalf of your loved one and you're still wanting to honor their wishes. You're still not wanting to just take their stuff and throw it in the trash. Sometimes, you know, you don't really, it's so many emotions attached to this process. So yeah, you definitely need, uh, you know, good professionals behind you in this process so that you're not one take the biggest thing too, in this process is being taken advantage of because mm -hmm. a lot of people do prey on people in this situation because it is one of your most vulnerable times. Shawanda, after say that company, the company we're, we're referring to comes in, they package things and stuff may be, uh, you know, sold, I guess, at, at, at an estate sale. Yes. Do you, and if they turn to you and say, okay, now, you know, all the personal stuff, all the personal property has been moved out, reallocated to whomever, we want to sell the house. The house I'm sure is going to need, you know, it may need work. It may need staging. How do, what are the things that you assist the clients in at that point? Yeah. So at that point, um, depending on, cause each, you know, each property, of course, each client, each property is going to vary. Um, but in most situations, um, once all of the items are out, I would, would, view the home again, assess if it's best, if it's, you know, certain places and certain areas, you can sell a house vacant, no problem. Some places or, you know, depending on the size of the house or maybe sometimes the location, people don't, don't have the same vision. Sometimes when you see the house or the size of the house can also be a deterrent. Mm -hmm. So at that time when the house is empty, um, if I believe that it's, you know, able to sell without it, of course, why get another expense of, of staging? Um, but if it needs it, it needs it. Or we can do things like virtual staging sometimes, which shows um, vacant places with um, furniture in it. 
so oh, that's fascinating. Can... I've never heard of that. So virtual yeah. staging. Oh, wow. Yes, but it has to be a vacant place. So uh -huh. if it's vacant, you can have someone come in and they'll do imaging and they'll show the house with furniture items, a bedroom with beds, a, you know, a living room with the, all of the living room things so that you can visualize, so people can visualize the space because home ownership and people looking for homes starts online. And so that's why video, you know, professional photography and videos are very important because that's, those are the first things that people look at and that's what draws them into either coming to the house or not coming to the house. Yeah. So if they can see, okay, so if they're just looking at vac at, at pictures, especially if it's like sometimes if it's a small or not understandable, if it's not if you're not clear what the space is, you need that staging so people can see Oh, okay. So this is what it would be look like if I, you know, put my bed here or do this. And so um offering those sorts of services too, because virtual staging, of course, is um more cost efficient than actual staging. <laughs> so um, so those are the times. So after it's empty, we'll come, you know, I'll go back and I will look at the house and come to that what my professional opinion is on what would be best. Um, if we're able to sell it vacant, we'll do that. If not, virtual staging. And if if necessary, then the professional staging. Um, and from then, we would go ahead. I would go ahead and have the photography done and get the home on the market. Shawanda, as we are um, getting to wrap up in a few in a, a few minutes, I wanted to make sure I, and ask you about um, what you do because you're passionate about this about educating. What are some of the things that you do or have been involved in that involve teaching and educating um, the public, like whether it's workshops and whatnot? Yes, so absolutely. I definitely have um, done several um, home home buying as well as home selling workshops because a lot of times people are first time home sellers. So you don't know what to do. You know, you, you know, the buying process because you were on that side, but even if it was had been, you know, five or 10 years ago, the buying process now is different. So you still probably need a, a buyer workshop if you're buying another place. But I definitely do um, different workshops. I actually have a workshop coming up on the 21st for home buyers. Okay. Um, and that's a, um, we're, we're labeling this one as a buyer's boot camp. So because, you know, the holiday conversation a lot of times is, oh, I want to buy a house new next year. I want a new house, you know. So this is to get you, get people who are ready to buy, but they don't know where to begin to get rid of some of the myths that are in the, you know, myths that are in the media as far as interest rates are concerned. Um to help them know that the best thing is to work, you know, to, to focus on your payment and not so interest rates because you have so much leverage when you do get the house, even if your rate is not necessarily high. I would like to say that these interest rates are normal interest rates. That's let me say that real quick. <laughs> let me yeah. uh, let me put up your information because since that boot camp is is coming up, if they want to not only find out more about you, but also get involved um, and register for this boot camp, I'm going to leave that information on there for uh, for a minute. Okay. Um, I also want to ask you. Where do you, you've done so much. I mean, you, you, wow. Talk about perseverance and like a rebirth into a new career. You're doing well and you're serving, right? Yeah. You're actually helping people, um, yeah. which is something that really resonates with me. You have this heart of service. Where do you see yourself in like five years with, with your, with your business? So in in five years, I would definitely say that I see myself um, still still definitely helping people, 
um, with with buying, selling, investing. Um, I'm also um, I would definitely think that I would I'm going to lean more in these next five years into um, mentorship because that is something that I am um, now started uh, started at the end of 2022 with um, mentoring agents because as as like I said I, I learned a lot <laughs> I learned a lot in my um, starting as an agent so I feel that I'm able to pass that on to others and that's another way of you know paying it forward if you will. Um, so I see myself um, relying heavily on the mentoring, um, possibly um, my own being my own uh, own brokerage as well, which I, that's another way of helping agents and helping people still. So probably those are the things that I see in the foresee for me in the next five years um, and having a complete team of people so that I'm able to have more leverage. <laughs> so, yes. That's wonder. That's wonderful. And um, again, I'm going to put your information up one more time. If you can tell folks, you know, where you are on social media uh, so people can follow you and support you. Yes. So I am on every single platform, most major platforms, um, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok. Um, my handle is um, at Shawanda Sold It on all of those um, platforms. So as it is as it's pictured there, S H at S H A W A N D A S O L D I T. You should be able to find me on every um, one of those major platforms there. Wonderful, wonderful. Shawana, it has been a joy. It's been educational. I mean, I, I love my guests and thank you so much for being the first guest on this rebranded po uh, podcast, Wills, Women and Wealth. It's really been a pleasure learning from you um, and just hearing about all the work that you're doing, how you help people, how you build them, uh, assist them in building generational wealth and how to protect what they're working so hard, um, what they're working so hard to build. Yeah. I wish you nothing but the best. Um, so again, much. I want to thank you for being my guest and sharing so much of your time here today. Um, everyone, Shawanda T. Robinson, uh, she's a realtor serving the DMV. Uh, you've gotten her information. And uh, if you're catching this on the replay, you'll also see her information in the show notes. Shawanda, it's been a joy. Have a wonderful afternoon. Thank you. And I appreciate you so much for having me. And everyone have a great day and reach out if you have any questions. Uh, thank you so much for having me. You bet. Everyone, she was a fabulous guest. Um, and this is the kind, I wanted to set the tone of what this podcast, this rebranded podcast is about. I'm going to bring you thought leaders, experts in particular areas, but they all intersect in one way or another with what I do, which is wills and estate planning, as well as probate, which Shawanda and I talked about. If you have any needs in the uh, Maryland or District of Columbia area regarding wills, estate planning, and probate, I want to invite you to give our office, uh, give our office a call no obligation, free 15-minute call. You see the information at the bottom of the screen. We too are uh, active on social media. This podcast as well, uh, this episode as well as future episodes will be available in our uh, growing YouTube library as well as on Spotify. 
Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, this is Elsa W. Smith, your Maryland estate planning attorney, thanking you for attending this episode of Wills, Women, and Wealth. Make it a great day.